Well, today we're finishing uh, the, these last few weeks. We've been talking about forgiveness, and we're wrapping that up today. Um, and uh, a number of weeks ago, um, just on Instagram, I put out uh, a, a little bit of a poll, uh, and I just asked, uh, what are your biggest questions or challenges around the theme of forgiveness? Um, what do you struggle with? What, what are you dealing with? What questions do you have? And I think the number one question that I got was some version of, can we forgive someone who isn't sorry? What if somebody has hurt us? What if, if somebody has offended us? What if there's some hurt, pain that is between me and somebody else? And, uh, and we're told that we're supposed to forgive. We've been talking about forgiveness the last couple of weeks. But what if that other person is not responsive? They, they don't agree with us. Uh, they don't want to admit to what they might have done towards us. What if that person's not available to us? Uh, maybe we don't even know that person personally. Maybe that person has passed away. We can't speak to them. Can we in some way forgive someone or should we for- forgive someone? someone who is not sorry. And what a challenge that is. Last week, we were talking about sort of a process uh, where we want to make sure that when it comes to forgiveness, because in church, you can hear about forgiveness a lot, uh, but we, want, we talked a little bit about the process that goes with that. And so we're not just saying, someone says, oh, I'm sorry, and the other person says, I forgive you, and we just don't think about it. Especially as the, the hurts and the pains get deeper and, and more problematic, we want to make sure that those issues are brought up, that we're dealing with them, we're talking about them, that we expect that, that abusive, bad behavior uh, changes and that there's a process to that. We talked about moving towards reconciliation, but that reconciliation requires two parties coming together and rebuilding trust, rebuilding a relationship where it's necessary. That can take a long time. It can mean that it's important to put in certain boundaries to, to make sure uh, that in some circumstances people are safe uh, and, and that uh, there's proper respect throughout that process. But our hope we talked about last week is that, that forgiveness becomes the, how we set the ground and set the tone for a bigger um, process that moves towards reconciliation, that two people or two parties could come back together uh, in some kind of relationship, although that may take a lot of work and a lot of time for it to happen. Today, though, we talk about what if that's not happening? What if that other person, for whatever reason, is not responsive towards us, doesn't agree, doesn't confess, doesn't want to change how uh, perhaps they've been treating people in in a bad way? Now, one of the things that makes this really difficult, if we're really honest, forgiveness in general is really difficult for one reason, because it's very emotional, Because when we have something to forgive, that's hard. It's because we have been hurt. It's because something has been taken away from us. It's because um, there there is this this deep pain that we have to deal with. And so uh, these emotions sometimes, and sometimes we say, well, I can't forgive until I feel like forgiving. I can't forgive until I have the emotions that go along with forgiveness or that we think are supposed to go along with forgiveness. And those emotions, I will tell you, our emotions are good. It's proper to have them. Emotions alert us to uh, all kinds of things, sometimes to danger, just to the reality that something needs to be worked on, that there's a problem. Uh, obviously, there's a whole bunch of positive emotions that alert us to other things. But Dallas Willard, uh, who is a great spiritual master and teacher, uh, he often said that our emotions are really good servants, but they're really terrible masters. That is, when our emotions serve us, to tell us, hey, you need to do something about this, or you need to celebrate, or you need to mourn, or you need to grieve, or uh, there's this issue, there's, there's a problem that you need to deal with, and so maybe there's some worry or anxiety. When those emotions serve us, that is, they propel us to do things that are necessary and good, that is a good and proper thing. We need to make sure that we're aware of our emotions and that we're allowing our uh, emotions to serve us, to help us towards good thinking and good actions. 
But there's also a reality that if we are uh, becoming servants to our emotions, that is, our emotions are running the show, we are out of control, that we feel like we can only do what we feel like doing, then our emotions have become our master, and our emotions are, are, are not great masters. They're meant to be servants. So today, uh, we want to just talk about what that looks like. Perhaps there have been times, maybe you're in one right now, where uh, something has happened where people have uh, hurt you. Maybe you've carried around some of those difficult emotions, the struggle, the pain, and you're trying to figure out what to do with it. And today, uh, we just want to dive into what does it look like uh, to offer forgiveness? Should we offer forgiveness when someone isn't sorry or they're not repentant, they're not changing their behavior? Last week, part of what we talked about is Jesus uh, taught to forgive he also got to the end. He said, hopefully you can forgive. You can, you can go to someone who's hurt you. You can reason with them. Hopefully you can win them over. If you can't, then maybe there's people in your close community that you can bring alongside and help you work through that. But if somebody's still stuck and they, they won't repent, they won't change, they won't confess, they won't acknowledge what they're doing, Jesus said to, teach them, to treat them like uh, pagans or tax collectors. And initially, many of us think that sounds like we should treat them poorly. They're our enemies. We should go after them. We should get them back. We should have revenge. And yet that's not Jesus, how Jesus t- treated uh, his enemies. In fact, he teaches us powerful ways in how we should approach our, our enemies or those who are against us. And that's what we want to talk about today. I want to start by reading you some passages because I think in, in the New Testament especially, we have some very common threads when it comes to how do we deal with situations where, where people are against us or where there's these unresolved situations. And I just want to read uh, maybe four short passages so that we can hear some of those common themes and then we'll pick up on them and talk about practically what that might look like for us if we're in that kind of situation. So this comes from Hebrews chapter 12 and I'll start reading in verse 12. This is to an audience who had been um, persecuted, who had plenty of enemies against them, who had gone through lots of hard times, uh, lots of opposition, were probably very tired, were, were very much struggling. And the writer says, so take a new grip with your tired hands, strengthen your weak knees, mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And then get this, so important. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. There's people against you. People have done really terrible things to you. It doesn't say, well, just avoid your feelings. Don't talk about your feelings. Pretend like everything's, you know, good. No, 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 no. You're tired. Get a new grip. Strengthen your weak. Find new strengthness and watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness. Watch out that that bitterness doesn't grow up in you. That's poison. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about bitterness as well. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And Hebrews said, watch out for that poisonous root of bitterness. Don't let it grow roots inside of you. Ephesians 4 says, you just get rid of it. You got to get rid of it. Romans chapter 12, verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, 
So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love that powerful phrase. As it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I can't control someone else. I can't control their response. I can't control how they want to treat me. But as far as it depends on me, I have some level of control to live peaceably peaceably with all. Colossians 3 says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of those sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Do you hear some of those themes? Uh, Themes like what depends on you, themes like overcoming evil with good, themes like put to death those things that are hurtful and painful and sinful, get rid of them, get, out, get them out of your life, remove them. A lot of talk about bitterness and being malicious, even the words that we speak or the thoughts that we think. And over and over and over, we're reminded that there is this threat of bitterness to take root and to grow in our lives. So get rid of it. Put it to death. Do something about it now. I would imagine there's a whole bunch of us who can identify with that, who at some time in their life or even maybe now realize that there are some seeds of bitterness and anger where we want to be malicious, where we feel like being evil, where we feel like uh, acting out in anger. How do we put those things to death? How do we get rid of them? That's what I want to talk about today. I hope this will be uh, very practical. Um, I'm not a gardening expert. But do you remember during the COVID lockdowns when there were certain fads? We couldn't do a lot of the stuff that we could do. A lot of stuff was shut down. You were stuck at home. And one of those fads, everybody wanted to plant a vegetable garden. You remember that? Even if it was on your balcony or in your basement with the fancy lights and all the rest of it, I jumped on that train. Of course, let's grow some vegetables. What else have we got to do? That'll be a fast-paced, exciting adventure while we're trying to figure out what to do. So we, uh, I built this little bed in our, our backyard. And um, again, I'm not an expert, but I learned a couple of basic things about how to grow things. So first, you need soil, and it's supposed to be nutrient-rich, so there's certain kinds of soils that got stuff in it, and I don't know all the biology of it, but there are things in there that help stuff to grow, and so you take the seed, and the seed is, is the seed of something you want to grow, so you know that seed is not going to turn into something else. There's a specific kind of seed for the specific kind of plant. If you plant zucchini, you shouldn't expect to get lettuce. You're going to get a zucchini, but you put that, that seed into the dirt. You surround it with the nutrients that are in the soil. And then you make sure that that bed or whatever it is, is somewhere in the sun. Because there's a magical process that I don't understand where the sun rays, they call forth the plant that is in this seed. It's remarkable, isn't it? I don't know how that works. I took some biology stuff, but I forget all that stuff way back in high school and early university. But you make sure it's in the sun because it needs the sun. And then every day you go out and you water it. And the water somehow strengthens whatever it is in that seed. And and eventually, if there's the right nutrients in the soil and there's enough water and there's enough sun and the temperature's not too extreme on either side, then eventually something happens in that seed and it sprouts roots. And the roots start growing and going deeper and deeper 
paper and they start to pull in the nutrients that are all around them in the dirt. And somehow the sun starts calling forth the little seedling and a stem emerges. And then that beautiful, glorious day where that stem comes above the, the, the soil and you go, yes, we're doing it, we're doing it, it's growing. And so you keep watering it and you make sure your soil's got the right pH or something like that. I don't know. And eventually you get fruit of something. You need to create the right environment. You can't fake the fruit. You can't pretend like you're being successful when you're growing stuff. You just simply need to create the right environment for the right nutrients. And then in this beautiful, amazing process, a plant will grow. Weeds work the same way. We're just not as intentional about them. Because all of a sudden, we're trying to plant zucchini and have it grow. And all of a sudden you go, what is this? This doesn't look like what I planted. But it's springing up. The same thing is happening. And those weeds are stealing the nutrients. And the, the weeds are, are taking the area. And sometimes the weeds will choke out whatever it is that you're trying to grow, the good crop. you got to get rid of that. you got to make sure that bitterness, anger, malice doesn't take root and take up that, that, that soil and that space in your soul, and in your mind. We want to get rid of it. We want to make sure that we create inside of us a place where the fruit of the Spirit grows and where we get rid of, we put to death those things that grow in us like bitterness or anger. And as far as it depends on us, we can't control anybody else, but as far as it depends on us, we have responsibility and work to do. Want to hear a little bitterness checklist just to see if, it's, if there's some roots in you? Just a couple of things that are really obvious that if you're walking around over the next week or so and you realize, oh, these are things that I'm engaging in, these are things I'm experiencing, it it might be a sign that bitterness has a couple of of roots in you and these are the things that we want to head off at the past that we want to kill, that we want to uproot and throw out, get rid of, put to death, make sure that they do not have the environment to grow and to spread. Somebody has hurt you, so you, number one, you think poorly about them. Maybe you ruminate on what they've done to you, you replay the offense, you fantasize about their demise, you assume the worst, you think the worst, sometimes you exaggerate how terrible and awful a person they are, even though they may have done something really bad to you. You feel these deep feelings because you're thinking over and over about about this person and you're thinking not good things about them. Here's what's important. Those feelings are important. You don't just ignore them. You don't just say, oh, well, forget it. You need to deal with them. If this is you and you find yourself ruminating on something, you find yourself going back to those moments where you were hurt, where you can't get rid of that, that's normal. We all have that, especially if it's a deep hurt and a deep pain. That's an alarm bell. Go talk to a counselor. Talk to your, your life group leader. Come talk to a pastor here. Make sure that you're working through and processing those thoughts. Don't ignore them. The Psalms, by the way, the prayer book of of the Israelites, of the Hebrews, the Jewish people, filled with these laments, filled with sometimes this stuff that you need to bring to God, this anger, this, this, what do I do with this feeling? We don't ignore them. But listen, if you're ruminating on those things, if you've got them, it is a sign, hey, we need to do something here. We need to get rid of this. We need to put something to death here because there's some roots that are growing of bitterness, and I don't want that to become a full plant and bear fruit. Number two, you find yourself speaking poorly about them. Somebody's hurt you, and you speak poorly of them. Their name comes up, and you've got things to tell other people about them. You've got negative things. You've got this negative, like you want to destroy their reputation, maybe. You want other people to know what they've done to you, and what kind of awful person that they are. You bring them up in a a negative light. Maybe you slander them, gossip about them, mock them, curse them. You speak poorly about them. 
Number three, you treat them poorly. They've hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them. Maybe you get kind of manipulative. Maybe there's just small ways that you just prod at them or poke at them. Maybe there's active ways where you try and take something from them or hurt them, punish them, abuse them. Could be mentally, emotionally, physically. You might notice some of these things, but these are the checklists that bitterness might be taking root. You think poorly about others, you speak poorly about them, and you treat them poorly. And if any of those go off as alarm bells, you just got to go. It's not to condemn you. It's not to say you're a bad person. These things happen so easy, but just to say, listen, that is bitterness trying to put roots into your life. Get rid of it. Put it to death. It's a weed. We got to pull it up. We got to get rid of it. We don't want that poisonous bitterness to become part of who we are. So what do we do? Here's how Jesus teaches us uh, to treat our enemies, how he treated his enemies. comes from Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, if you're willing to listen, this is common kind of prophetic language. For those who, for those who really hunger and thirst for a different way, for those who want to understand, for those who want to, who want to say, man, I, I need good things to grow in my life, not, not bad things. If you really want to pay attention, he says, love your enemies. Three things, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. In essence, Jesus takes all the ways that we encourage and, and create an environment for bitterness to grow, and he flips the script. So, when somebody hates you, when somebody disregards you, when somebody detests you, when someone's indifferent towards you, when their disposition to you is oppositional, what do you do? Do something good for them. Act for their good. Act for their benefit. Find a way to serve them. They're thinking poorly about you. What could you do? Act in a good way towards them. Counteract the bitterness. When someone curses you. So what if somebody speaks poorly about you? What if they curse you? What if they wish ill will towards you? Then you bless them. What do you mean? You speak well of them. You will good into their life. You encourage them. You say, yeah, but they're cursing me. They're against me. Yeah, well, you can just let that bitterness keep on going. You can let it grow in you too. Or when they speak well of you, speak poorly of you, you can speak well of them. Speak well of them to other people. Find a way to inject good into their life. When somebody abuses you, that is now they mistreat you. Could be verbal, could be physical, that they're now acting against you in some sort of way. This is really important, really important. Jesus doesn't say just take the abuse. He doesn't say just forget and move on. And I'll tell you why this is so important, because when it comes to forgiveness in churches, this happens a lot where um, people come for help and they say, oh, man, I'm being mistreated, I'm being abused, and somebody says to them, well, you just need to forgive and sends them back into that, that situation. Say, hold on a second. We've got to go back to last week. Forgiveness is supposed to lead to reconciliation. There needs to be a, a process there by which there is a change of behavior, by which there is this deep transformative thing that happens in relationship. So especially if you're being mistreated and abused, we don't just say, oh, forgive and forget and just go back. No, 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 no. We say, come, you be safe. You actually see a progression here in the negative behavior that's coming against someone. When someone hates you, that is like on a mental thing, they're rooting against you. But then what if they actively speak against you, they curse you, and now we go to what if they're actively abusing you or mistreating you? And we see Jesus, I think, coming along saying, and that means our response is actually evolving. So you may, in some situation where someone's against you, be able to do good for them. 
But now when they're cursing you, you might just have to switch your tactics and go, well, now I'm going to try and bless them. When someone abuses you, it might be, I can't be safe in this situation, but I could still pray for you. Some people I've heard say this kind of goes like, you know, the, the most practical or the most powerful things you can do. And as they ramp up the negative stuff, you kind of ramp down what you do. I disagree with that. I'll tell you why, because I think prayer is one of the most powerful, the most powerful thing that we could do. So if somebody's really coming against you, what do you do? Well, you call on heaven. And you pray for them. We pray for change. We pray for God's grace to take root in their lives. We pray um, that things will be different. We pray humbly because we know that oftentimes we're part of the problem too. That could be it. And so we come humbly to God as well in our prayers. We make sure that we root out uh, our guilt, our part of the problem in that. But uh, when it says uh, that we just are to uh, go through these, these positive things, doesn't mean we just put ourselves back in a situation. We don't shortchange the process that needs to happen for reconciliation. But we need to put to death, we need to get rid of this, this anger and this bitterness that grows up inside of us. And so rather than doing what those do to us when they hate us or curse us or abuse us, instead we do good, we bless, and we pray. And sometimes it means we have to process the fact that if that's not going the way that we want it to, if it's not moving towards restoration, if someone isn't coming towards us the way that will help us to be in relationship with them, then we, as far as it depends on us, need to leave at peace. And to do the hard work of grieving and mourning and processing, knowing that we can't control somebody else. And we can't control if that looks like restoration. If we can't control that they become contrite. We can't control that they try and fix in whatever way that they can, whatever they've made wrong. We need to starve what needs to die and feed what brings us to life. This is it. What are the things in our lives? It's not fair. We go, I just don't want this to grow in me. And so when I see myself engaging in those kind of thoughts and words and actions... I'm going to actively work against that to rid them, to put them to death. I'm not giving them any more nutrients, any more growth, any more sun, any more light, any more water. Instead, I'm going to grow the things of life, the things of God. Um, And then I'll tell you this. It might not seem like it in the moment. In the moment that you have something to forgive, when you're hurt and when you're struggling. But forgiveness wins the day. Especially when there's someone that you want to forgive and maybe you'll extend that forgiveness, but that's as far as it's going and it's not going towards reconciliation and they're not accepting, they're not receiving, they're not confessing. It may seem like this does not work and in the moment it's hard, but I assure you that forgiveness wins the day. See Jesus vulnerable on the cross, being tortured and killed by people who could not accept his radical love and his grace as their way of living out in faith, people who found that as a threat. And on the cross, in that moment, he cries out to his father, Father, destroy them? No, forgive them. They know not what they do. They're doing something terrible, but they don't get it yet. And I don't know if some of them will ever give it, but Jesus calls out, as far as it depends on me, Father, forgive them. And in the crucifixion and then the resurrection of Jesus, what we see is God vindicates Jesus, that forgiveness is the way forward. Forgiveness is hope. Forgiveness fuels the future. I would say it as strong as this. Collectively, as a church, but even more than that, as humanity, we have no future without forgiveness. 
There's no future in us trying to be perfect because we failed at it. There's no future in saying, well, as long as we don't hurt each other because we continue to do it. There's no future in saying you've got to make it up because there are things we can't make up for in our own strength. Forgiveness fuels the future. Forgiveness is the plan. We all need it. In our marriages, if you want a future for your marriage, you're going to need forgiveness. In your friendship, if you want to have deep, good, meaningful friendships, forgiveness will fuel the future for that. If you want to come together, if we want to come together with people who are different than us, culturally and religiously, if we want to operate in this world collectively as as a nation or as a human race, if we want to move forward. We've proven this. Without forgiveness, there is no future. This is the plan. This is the way forward. This is God saying, I realize that without this, you are stuck. And so I want to put on display what it looks like in a very meaningful and profound way through the cross of Jesus Christ to offer forgiveness. As far as it depends on you, to offer forgiveness, the hope of reconciliation that fuels the future. As far as it depends on you and I, imitate Christ. But thanks be to God, it doesn't depend wholly on us. Am I right? That forgiveness will save the world, but we don't save the world. Listen to this from Ephesians chapter 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace. Get this, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us, showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth. This is the plan. Forgiveness will save the world. This is the fuel of the future. This is the plan. Forgiveness will save the world. This is the way forward. This is the way towards reconciliation. As far as it depends on you, imitate Christ. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with anybody. You can't control that. But it doesn't all depend on us. It depends on Jesus, who is willing to take sin upon himself and in the most egregious moment to offer forgiveness for those who would receive it to come and be reconciled and to move forward. It's beautiful. I wonder today uh, if you're hungry for that, if you're thirsty for that. Maybe you've come in today with a guilty conscience. Maybe you're on that that side of things. You know you've done something and it's hard for you to confess. It's hard for you uh, to be contrite. It's offensive to your pride, but you know that you've hurt other people and you're hungry and thirsty for a way forward. We're going to take some moments uh, in communion again this week. And in these moments, it might be for you to confess those things to God and to receive forgiveness. To see Jesus on the cross calling out, Father, forgive them. They know what they do. Not condemning you, but to forgive you. To offer you to receive what you cannot earn. Forgiveness, a way forward. To take a step towards reconciliation with God. 
Perhaps today you're just struggling because you've been hurt, because somebody has hurt you, brought pain into your life, taken something from you, maybe in a small way, maybe in a really big way. It's possible that that person is never going to come to you and never apologize. It's possible that if you bring the fault to that person, that they will never respond in a proper and good way. As far as it depends on you, let's get rid of the bitterness. Are you hungry and thirsty to step into a way of life that puts down revenge, puts down this, I think bad of you and I talk bad of you and I act bad and instead flip the script? speak well, to bless, to do good. When we step into the grace of God, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. It's a receiving thing, and then it's a giving thing. If we really truly receive it, we're going to give it to others. You step into the cycle. You can live in a cycle of retribution and revenge. You hurt me, so I'll hurt you. I'll hurt you. You hurt me. Or you can step out of that, put it to death, get rid of it. Even when your emotions tell you it's difficult or you don't feel like it, You can receive God's grace, receive God's forgiveness. Let that take root in you. Let it grow in you. Let it bear fruit in you so that you can give it to others to live in a new cycle. So go ahead if you'd like to and grab uh, the elements in the chair in front of you. Uh, If you're not ready for that, today if if this is new for you, if, if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, if the things that I've said to you are just foreign and you're not sure you can accept them, uh, I don't want you to feel pressure. You don't need to participate in this. I just want you to know that this is offered to you, this way of life, this forgiveness, this beautiful grace that God gives us. There's a wafer in the, the top tab and it's representative of the body of Christ that's given for you. Strength for the journey, strength for the hard things, to, to, as we read earlier, to get a grip and to strengthen your knees. I know it's been difficult, I know it's been hard, but if you're hungry and you need some energy to do it, that today you will receive the bread of Christ, the body of Christ, to give you the strength that you need, not of your own, but of his, to go out and live in that love. And then the juice underneath, which is representative of the blood of Christ, shed for the forgiveness of sin. That forgiveness of sin is for you today to come and confess in these moments to give it to God, to be assured that he offers you forgiveness, that you can receive it and then you can walk towards him in reconciliation. And as we receive today, to ask God to give us the power to take what we receive and offer it to others, as long as it depends on us. And then to trust God with that that doesn't depend on us because ultimately it can't all depend on us. Let me say a blessing, a thanks for these elements. And then afterwards, uh, just for a second, if you want to sit there, we're going to sing another song. But when you're ready, if you're hungry, and if you're thirsty for forgiveness today, you know you need this to be in your life, part of your life, to receive it and to give it, then eat the bread and be strengthened and drink the juice and be assured of your forgiveness. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that you are different than what our experience has been so much. Thank you that you give us what we need, but not what we have deserved. Thank you for a new way and thank you for a future. Today, I want to lift up God who, for them, this message has been really emotional, that this hasn't been theoretical, but it's something that they're dealing with right now. I pray that you would wrap your arms around them, that they would know in very practical ways your presence is with them, guiding them, instructing them, caring for them. I pray that they would be able to take the elements and to know your forgiveness for them and perhaps for others. God, powerfully move in us today. I pray that out of what we have learned from Jesus, 
from the scriptures that there might be relationships that are represented here today or people that are watching online that would end up being reconciled even if it takes a long time because the future is forgiveness. Would you fuel that forgiveness and reconciliation? Would you repair hurts? Would you tear down abusive behavior and situations? Would you rid us and put to death in us the anger and malice and bitterness that so easily grows inside of us? We pray, God, that this will happen through Jesus and his power and the power of the cross because we can't do it without you. So we say thank you for his body that is given to us and his blood that is the forgiveness of our sin. His name we pray.